So uh, welcome everyone. Thank you for staying for the town hall. Thank you for all the people that brought food. Thank you for everyone for eating it. Um, we don't want to have lots and lots of leftovers to take home, so that's good. Um, what we're trying to do here is to give everyone an update. We're at the middle of the year. Um, it's summer. Uh, the year calendar year is about halfway through. And so we really wanted to gather everyone together and talk about some of the more nitty-gritty business type aspects of running a church that aren't as spiritual and that we obviously don't want to highlight every Sunday. Um, so what we're going to do, uh, you can see the agenda up here. Um, Michelle is going to start by giving us an update on the United Methodist Church as a whole. Um, we are going to ask that for just this one portion that there not be questions because we want to keep this moving. And um, we already discussed this. Michelle is always happy to talk to anyone. If you'd like um, more follow-up, um, she's happy to have coffee, you know, stick to you a little bit later after this meeting, you know, whatever it is, and if there's a, a time demand, we can maybe schedule a special session just to talk about that. Yeah. Um, but really, this is the cliff notes, sort of the highlight reels, um, that just like, this is what's happening, um, we really, whatever she knows is what she knows, and we don't know a lot more, and so probably whatever questions you have, she couldn't answer anyway. Um, but other than that, we do... I'm trying to be clear, because other than that, we do want to welcome questions, we want this to be interactive, we want to make sure that you understand what's happening, um, but we could not get out of here at 1230 if we didn't do that. Um, so that's first, and then uh, next of all, um, the leadership team has come up with a plan for how we're going to respond to all of these events. Um, we'll share that with you. Then our new finance committee chair is going to share the current finances, and then um, we will discuss the future projections and some questions. All right, yeah. So uh, I'm going to just say that our leadership team, we've now been through solidly three years of leadership teams. Um, and so three years is the kind of normal amount of time that you would spend on a leadership team. Normally, people have a, a role for three years and they rotate off because you really want, it's not supposed to be an insider club. It's supposed to be inviting new voices on at different stages of the church, what the church needs. But because we had so many people that first year, we decided to rotate off three this year, three next year, because we, had, we just didn't want, for continuity's sake, to get rid of the entire leadership team all at once and bring out. So, um, so we have um, three people rolled off this year, and we, are, we replaced them with three people. We're going to let you know who those people are in July, mainly because they're on vacation this week, and they don't start until July. Um, so I'll let you know who those people are. But the new role changes. Uh, Sean has, is now our lay leader. Um, so Sean is taking on the role lay leader really um, in the context of Kingstown is really the role that is in communication with the larger church. So in communication the most with Aldersgate. In communication with the United Methodist Church, like a delegate, like um, knowing what's going on, being a delegate. That's what that's what um, what Christian has served as, and he's the one who'll go to the Aldersgate meetings and talk to Aldersgate if we need to talk to Aldersgate. Those kind of things. And then um, the other role um, is, that we're changing over is finance. So you are used to seeing probably Nate up here talking about. Um, Nate has rolled off as one of our three, and we all thank him for three first years of work for a new church start. We need to be financially sustainable. Nate did so much work, right? So, like, he's gotten us to this point. We're so happy. But we're, our new finance chair is now Melissa, and Melissa is taking it from here and moving us forward. So, UMC update. 
Um, so I just want to remind you of the schedule. You remember it happened in February. February was the moment. Um, and some of you don't know this, but in February, I'll just make it clear, there was a big meeting of the United Methodist Church. They were going to talk about human sexuality and what that meant was what does the United Methodist Church think about or, um, the ordination of LGBTQ persons and the marriage of LGBTQ persons. Will we marry people in our church? Will we ordain them? We thought that we had a trek down a path where we were going to be able to open that up for congregations who wanted to do it. It did not happen. Instead, something else happened. The traditional plan was voted in, which was unexpected for most of us. Um, the traditional plan passed, and it got harsher. So um, like for someone like me, it got, it got more difficult for me to do a gay, um, a gay wedding or any wedding at all, um, mainly because I would be suspended for two years immediately. It's harsher than I might than previous um, punishment for that. So it, it to totally blew us all out of the water. We didn't know it was coming. And so there was a lot of response. February 2019, that happened. March 2019, what happens when something like that happens is grassroots kind of development of people who are just like, this is not okay. This is not okay. We're not okay with this. And so this group formed in 20, uh, March of 2019 called the Virginia for a New Thing. They have a very active Facebook group. A couple of the people in our church have already like joined that Facebook group and are paying attention. If you want to join it, any person can join this group. It's really the people who want to know what's going on all the time and where the next steps are. So that would be my first place. Instead of answering all your questions, it would be to say, join that group because they're going to tell you better and faster than I can what's going on. Um, Virginia for a New Thing group started, and it was grassroots organizing. Nobody's getting paid to do this of progressives and centrists. People, the one thing that united everybody, it didn't matter where you were on, we are, we do not agree with the traditional plan. And I, I, I may not be, I may not for the same reasons as you disagree with it, but I don't think it's a good thing. April 2019, Judicial Council ruling, we found out whether the traditional plan was going to be constitutional based on our church constitution, which parts were constitutional, it didn't change it much. It stayed about the same. May 2019, two conferences happened. Um, UMC Next and UMC Forward, two conferences held to chart a path forward of a variety of people who are saying, this is not okay, what are we gonna do next? So I wanna tell you what those two conferences did. About six, at UMC Next, if anybody knows who Adam Hamilton is, he's the biggest pastor in the United Methodist Church. He has the largest church out in Leland, Kansas. He writes tons of books, tons of books. If you go to Abington Press, which is our United Methodist publishing house, he's probably written 75% of them. He's that guy. He's the one who convened this conference. He's the big guy. His church is predominantly centrist. They're in Kansas. He convened this, about 600 people, 10 per annual conference, so 10 from Virginia were self-selected, um, centrists and progressives, and the one thing that they did while they gathered was they asked the room, okay, we need to figure out where we are. I don't even know if we're all on the same page here. We're here, but I need you to, to tell me, are you here because you think we need to stay and resist and make changes in the current denomination? Are you here because you want to leave and start something new? And it was split 50-50 down the room. So that tells you that centrists and progressives are not fully on the same page. Um, but they're on the same page that they're in the room, and they disagree with the traditional plan. So that's what they, But that was a lot to learn at that. Um, and they commissioned them out, go, organize locally. There are things to organize, and I'll tell you what those are soon. The next conference, UMC Forward, around the same time, um, it was open for anyone to attend. It just so happened to be a time that I couldn't go or I would have gone. 
They focused more on holistic inclusion. They gathered more actual LGBTQ identified people. They gathered more persons of color for these conversations. Um, they wanted to be more inclusive, mostly progressives, so not a centrist. Also, in that room, full of progressives, split down the middle of people who want to stay and resist in the denomination or leave and start something new in the denomination when they took their poll. So they also commissioned them out to organize locally. These two groups are not competing with one another. They just happen separately. And um, a lot of them are working with each other. Organize for what? So first, like just like the Virginia for a New Thing group, organize for support and solidarity and hope, just to give some people some grounding. Here's a place where we can come and share all the stuff that we are thinking and feeling. Also, for social action, June was Pride Parade. Largest, um, I know in DC and in every Pride Parade in any major city, largest contingency of United Methodists showing up ever um, this year. But that's because, gosh, people needed to organize. They needed to feel like they were a part of something. But the other thing is to elect a slate of centrist and progressive delegates to go to 2020, which is the next conference next year, to, to make some change. That, and that was the, that's the big thing of, hey, you know, progressives, centrists aren't good at organizing normally because they, they're, they just don't get in it, right? Progressives aren't good at organizing either. They've never been good at organizing. So we need to organize. We need to organize together to pass anti-traditional plan legislation for 2020. And the two main pieces of legislation they wanted to pass was to postpone any punitive action. So if I were to do a gay wedding right now, that nobody would punish me for it up until 2020 and to remove incompatible language that that phrase in the Book of Discipline that human sexuality is incompatible, or sorry, homosexuality <coughs> is incompatible with Christian teaching, that's what it said, um, to remove that. And so um, we did it like crazy. Um, so when we decided, when they commissioned us to organize, this is what it turned out. All the annual conferences happened in the month of June. U.S. opposition to the traditional plan has now gone mainstream. Mainstream UMC is not, is not it's like the, the, the super vanilla organization that has now put this out. They're saying that this is now our overall position as a United Methodist Church in the States. That's pretty big that they were to put this out. The red shows that 70% to 100% of the delegates elected were against the traditional plan going to 2020. Um, and so you can see just it's very small percentage um, that are at the bottom of that. In 2019, the U.S. delegates to the United Methodist General Conference were against the traditional plan two to one. Now it is three to one because of our organization. We gained about, I think I've heard like 55 votes, something like that, which could be the difference in overturning something. So it, it, was, it, was, it was pretty, pretty good work that happened. Um, and I was excited to be a part of it and uh, watch it happen, and Christian got to vote in it. Um, got to be one of those people voting the delegates in, and we did a really great job. Um, so what gives us hope? Here's, this is, I'm coming to a close now. This is where we are. 2020 has not happened yet. We have the delegates, they're gonna be working on legislation. Oh, and to tell you in Virginia, we voted in Virginia to postpone any punishment. And we also voted in Virginia to remove the incompatibility language from the Book of Discipline. So even, not only did we vote all the delegates, 100% of the slate of delegates going for us um, is centrist progressives against the traditional plan. Um, and also we voted for both of those. Um, that's just a good, I mean, for me that's a good sign because it's Virginia. Like if we were in 
we were in a like a whole other area, if we were out west, it would have been the norm. But here, it's showing you a change. There's something happening. Um, and so, what, are, what, are, what do we have hope for at this stage when we still don't know what's going on? That there's grassroots organizing happening. People, people care enough to do it. That there's unification, although difference, of centrists and progressives, which bands us together in a way we've never been before. That the United States General Conference 2020 delegation sweep, like it really is swept through. Um, that legislation against the traditional plan is passing. That younger, more diverse representation is on these slates, these delegates that are going. Um, and that God is moving and doing this new thing and that people are still showing up to church and haven't given up on the United Methodist Church, thank God. Um, the other thing though, what are our questions? Like, what, um, we, there are a lot of questions still. Still don't know a whole lot. But um, how many votes of the global delegates, how many will they grow that we, don't, we can't anticipate for, for that to overcome the votes that we got? You know, like we don't we don't know that yet because because the churches delegate delegations are built off of how large your churches are and churches in the United States are in decline and churches in Africa are always growing and so they're they, how many more delegates will they have by 2020 I don't know and how, well, how will that um, I don't know traditionalist response every time there is a massive sweep like what happened what will be their next step? We don't know what the WCA, which is the organization that passed the tradition, we don't know what their next step is. What are they about to do that we have not, like they did not anticipate the sweep that happened. You watch their just jaws drop to the floor. Well, what is gonna cause our jaws to drop to the floor because it swings, right? We don't know what's gonna happen. Citrus progressive alignment. What does it mean when we can't, it's, can't, it's hard to start something new when half the group doesn't wanna leave. Um, so I don't know what that means. And then, um, can our structure even handle change as a United Methodist Church? I don't know. So that leads us then to some questions for Kingstown. And this is where we switch, no, this is where we just move over to Kingstown. This is, what, this is about Kingstown now. How, how do we respond in this time? How do we ensure that we have a voice in this time, that we have autonomy? How does this affect us financially? How does this affect Aldersgate financially? Um, who do we know to go to and lean on to get the information to know the next step to make? Um, those are all the big questions. And so uh, in those questions, uh, we have um, discerned what we think is the best next steps forward. Um, and so what's, what is next for Kingstown? What is next for Kingstown? Um, the leadership team, and you got a little bit of this in the letter that, that we sent out through, um, through email earlier this year but some of this is a little new too. There's three things we think we can do that puts us in the best possible place. In all the questions, in all the questions, we want to be, we want to be a vital church that moves through this and continues to do the same mission we've always been a part of, right? Like we always have done, we are a particular type of church. We're not changing our identity in the midst of it. And we want to make it through this, this, um, challenging transition period and so this is the three these are the three things we think the three critical um, steps for us and there may change over time but these are the ones we really think are really important one um, that fall of 2019 right now we become a reconciling congregation which is a congregational vote to become one and I'm about to explain what that means two by the end of 2020 so that is um, a year and a half 
that we become fully financially sustainable. And three, in January 2021, once we have been assured of our sustainability, we look at the finances and where we are um, for 2021, that we become independent from Aldersgate Church um, so that any, um, whatever happens in 2020, we have, that would, 20, the, January 2021 would be when it all goes into effect. When anything that happened at the May 2020 conference goes into that, we would have autonomy to make the decisions. We don't know what those are, but that we would have autonomy. Um, those are the three steps we think we would like <laughs> to keep it before you to make you aware of. Uh, and so now I would, um, oh, so the first thing before, we want to tell you about the two more <coughs> so, but what is a reconciling congregation? That's the big thing. Um, I know you don't know. So the Reconciling Ministries Network, it's an organization uh, um, seeking the inclusion of people of all sexual orientations and gender identities in both the policy and the practices of the United Methodist Church. Um, it's an organization that formed back in 18, or 1980, back in 1984. Uh, they have been doing this work for a long time. They are the grounded people of this work. Do you want to know who knows? What, um, the ones who are paying attention, who knows what's happening in the United Methodist Church and doesn't allow them to go into hysterics, but has a plan, has a, uh, uh, they, they're the ones that all throughout this period of time have still stayed in the United Methodist Church, right? They had a reason to do it, and they are the ones who are constantly, um, they're the ones that are, are creating opportunities for resistance in, um, in the United Methodist Church. They're the one, they've pushed everything forward for the last 30 years, over 40,000 reconciling individuals. Anyone can become a reconciling individual. You go to their website. I've already filled it out. I'm a reconciling. Just fill it out and say you're going. You're willing to do these things and be this kind of Christian. Done. You're a reconciling individual. But there's not as many reconciling churches because that requires a congregational vote. Um, so um, over a thousand reconciling churches across the U.S. and they're all United Methodist churches that vow to. Um, to incorporate everyone, right? Uh, six current reconciling churches in Northern Virginia, but none are below the beltway. So we would be the first one, if we did this, we'd be the first one to be a part of that below the beltway. Um, and the things that you have to do to become one, to be a part of this, is you have to have a visible symbol. You have to be willing to put out a visible symbol, which we've already proven as a church we're willing to do. We did pretty boldly when the decision took place. You have to be willing to put out a visible symbol of inclusion. You have to be willing to include an, um, a statement of inclusivity on your website or in your bulletin to make sure that people know and we get to write that together. Um, and you have to vote as a congregation to make it happen. Um, why do I think that's a good thing? because it's very easy for us to feel like we're on our own, and it's good for us at this state in the United Methodist Church to unite with others who are like-minded and having the same conversation and who know really well how to navigate the system of the United Methodist Church in a particularly <laughs> inclusive way. Um, they've been doing this for like 30 years. So when, when, so when Nate and Marie and I and, um, and Alyssa, we all went to the Pride Parade, all of the churches marching in the Pride Parade, it, except for us, were all a part of Reconciling Ministries Network. We were the only church there that wasn't. And we do all the things they already do, right? But we just weren't a part of that. So, you know, we, we noticed that there was like a, a culture there, this kind of kinship together 
that we didn't know about. <laughs> and we didn't know, you know, they knew things we didn't have access to, mainly because once you become one, then you're invited to their organization meetings and they're, and they're like, they do their own kinds of, um, just let's have a conversation about this way forward and what's the next step and why would we stay and how does that work with our money and why would, do, does your church pay a portion, like that kind of stuff. They just talk to each other and I think that's really good. That's really good. I think we don't want to be alone in this. So after that, we thought, well, why aren't we one? That's kind of silly. Why not? If we, if we do all the things they already do, um, why not join this group and, and have more support? So that's we would like to do that. We would like to move forward that. But you have a vote in that, like a congregational vote. Um, and so we would like to do that this fall sometime. And, uh, and so now, we can, um, I would love to turn this over to Melissa, who will then talk about this, the next two and where our finances are currently. Perfect. Okay, so when we started out this year, we thought in order to meet our budget that has expenses mostly of administration, that's the uh, salaries for our staff of Michelle, Brett, and Alyssa, um, and some fun things thrown in, to meet our expenses as projected, we need $164,000. And we thought, okay, um, we can do that. Aldersgate said, yep, we got your back. You guys have you know, grown in, in membership and you've got pledged giving and that's looking right on track. Um, so this is how, when we started this year, we thought our funding would come. We thought 110 would come from us, the body of this church, and 55 would come from Aldersgate if they continue to support us as a church plant. But here we are at mid-year, and Michelle's talked about the things that has changed church membership and church goership and pledged giving in the United Methodist Church and in all churches and all congregations, and that is decreased membership, decreased pledging. So now at mid-year, this is what we really look like. So we're on target to hit our 110 from the membership giving, but we've increased our giving $5,000, which is fantastic, right? Um, we got the Linton offering from Aldersgate of 21000 That was a blessing. That was just absolutely fantastic. But you see, we still end up with a budget gap of twenty nine k, right? So how are we going to get through that gap, right? So, Michelle, can you give me the next slide that has our gap? Yeah. So if our gap is 34 and we've met it by $5,000 more um, giving from y'all generously, <coughs> And we've taken a look at our expenses and we've agreed to cut $5,000 of expenses. There's 10 right there, right? So we have looked at a mission dinner. We're gonna put on a mission dinner at Aldersgate in September. And what that'll be is a, a catered dinner. So it'll be a price per plate event and a silent auction. And we're really hoping that that will help us as a fundraiser, sort of like the Linton offering was, you know, extra gifts from people. We're really hoping that that can help us close our gap. So you'll be hearing more about that event as we get closer to that. Um, but that means we still end up with a gap of somewhere between fourteen and $19,000. So um, our per Sunday gap, if you wanted to look at it like that between now and the end of the year, is, is close to you know, $600 to $800 a week. Right, and so, you know, there are lots of things that we're already doing to, to slim down and be smarter and um, do cost savings. And I think, Sean, you really wanted to send out some kudos about that, right? Yeah. 
Um, I'm sure you've all noticed our more streamlined bulletins. This was an Alyssa initiative. <coughs> I would like everyone to give Alyssa a round of applause. Um, and so it's, it's not just Alyssa, the whole staff. So Brett and uh, Michelle have also worked to cut our expenses. And they're sort of really where the rubber meets the road. Like, you know, you hear about this a few times a year. They, they talk about it pretty much every week. <laughs> so I'd also like everyone to give a, a round of applause to the whole staff. Thank you. And so, um, I don't want to talk too much about all of the gate because that's not mine to discuss. Um, but all the uncertainty about the, the, where the church is going in the future has created um, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of um, negative feelings, and that's directly impacted their giving. And so they just literally could not give us as much as they wanted to. And so we're very pleased with what they did give us in terms of the Lenten offering and also in terms of the, the, the mission dinner that they're going to host for us. Um, so I don't want anyone to feel negatively about the fact that they just weren't able to do what they had originally planned on doing because sort of events happened that no one really expected February to happen. Um, and so that's great. And I also just wanted to highlight for everyone that, you know, sort of behind the scenes, um, the, the leadership team and the staff has been doing um, I think as much as we can to, to really minimize expenses and do things the right way. And um, the real message I want to give to all of you is that we have done our duty, that we're not trying to absolutely cover up for like hard decisions. That's not where we're at. Right? Uh, and I, I was just going to add one thing about like the 5000 and cut in discretionary expenses. Um, it's, it's basically all we can cut without losing relationships key relationships with like Noel's produce. Um, so so we, we look, I mean, because we're, we're, you have uh, staff and then you have facility and you have some administrative related um, in order to do emails and organization and all of that. And then the next thing is mission and outreach. And we felt like we can cut some of that, get rid of, get rid of a postcard, like the fall postcard we're not sending, you know, get rid of some of those big things. but. but but there's still certain things we have to live up to to be able to keep the crucial outreach relationship that we've already established um, that with Noel's Produce. So that's why we haven't cut more, um, but that would be if we had to cut more the next place, and none of us want to lose that. Like, I, that would just be, it would, it's our number one way that we recall um, is through that relationship and through, yeah, through the events we do that. So that's what I was Right, so you know, we are not about having a building, getting a building, raising a building, building a building, um, because we want to be lean and mean and do God's work. So by not wanting ever that to be the life of Kingstown Communion, we do have some expense, say, to use this facility, but keeping that relationship with Knowles, which is where we meet so many of our new members, in, you know, increases our numbers so there's more hands to do the good work of God. That's what we're about here. So we just want to make sure that that's possible. So looking forward into 2020, um, you know, we think we're on target to have pledged offering at, at the 145K mark. And, you know, perhaps we'll again be blessed by the Linton offering at Aldersgate. That would be so amazing if we were. Um, we know that what we have to do to get down to bare bones if we can't but we are on track for this, we think right now, and it is so very important so that by 2021, we are completely self-supporting. 
right? And so, again, bare bones, a few, you know, prices will go up. We think at 170, we can keep our relationship with Knowles, pay our staff, continue to pay for facility use, and then go back to doing the things that increase our numbers, right? Does anybody have any questions about why that is a good and great worthy goal? Where we've been financially, where we're going? Could you just clarify why it's so important that we are in from Alders? Uh, so Nicole asked if I could explain why it is so important that we become independent from Aldersgate. Well, um, yeah, I can take a stab at it, but I think probably turn it over to Michelle is the better smart thing. Okay, so I, I, yeah. So um, we currently we are not our own congregation. Uh, we do not have any uh, autonomy as a congregation to decide anything um, related to the United Methodist Church. In fact, when we take the vote um, for to become a reconciling church, the only reason why we can do that is because they've now extended it into a reconciling community within a church. They opened that up because there were youth groups and Sunday school classes that wanted to be that, but their whole church were not going to be that. Aldersgate is not making that decision. Um, and so we are going to be making the decision here to be a reconciling community within Aldersgate <coughs> until we were to separate from them, which would mean we were a reconciling church. We have no autonomy, which means that if with all the stuff coming up in the United Methodist Church, without um, separating ourselves from Aldersgate, we will have no say. We'll have no say on what happens. And we are a different culture and a different place than Aldersgate is have been from the very beginning. Aldersgate knows that and celebrates that. Also, that's one, no autonomy. Also, Aldersgate has no more money. <laughs> no, I mean, like, to be very clear, no more money, and they're going through their own financial distress currently. Um, it, it is, I mean, it's going to be a very, very, very hard fall for them. And so I, they have nothing left to give us. So if being in connection with them was for the, the purpose of thanking them and receiving their support, but that financial support is no longer available, um, then, and we don't have autonomy when we're connected with them, the next, the, the best move for us is to be separate. Um, not in like a separate, like I'm done with you kind of way, but in a, they're sending us off and celebrating that we have now hit sustainability and independence. It's just gonna have to happen sooner than we thought it would be because they just don't have, like they said they would give us 55 and they don't have it to give us. So all the money that they're helping us raise is off their budget. The Linton offering was off their budget because they can't budget anything for us. They don't have any room to budget anything for us. So does that answer your question? Oh, good. Thank you. And, and the easiest way to answer that question is like every parent-child relationship, right? So we're supposed to grow up and leave the homes of our parents, and that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Cool. Um, so 2020, 2021, and then. So this is our giving growth, right? So when this uh, little bitty <coughs> congregation formed in 2016, $34,000, that's a lot of money. That's really great. But look how it steadily climbed, climbed across the years, just being more and more generous and increasing our numbers. Sean, this slide was really important to you. So, <laughs> Thank you. So I, I love Excel. It sort of helps me think. I like to see a graph. It sort of makes it more real to me. 
Um, so the thing that I'd like to highlight is that we've had pretty steady growth from 2016 to 2017 to 2018. Uh, 2019, we're on track for 115,000. And um, if we just keep growing at this rate, we will in fact be self-sustaining by 2021. And I think that's great news. Um, it's a testament to everyone here, um, all the people that have joined and that have uh, committed your time and treasure and talents to the, the Kingstown Communion. Um, and where we're at the, is essentially, we do have this gap for this year that essentially the, the turmoil of the United Methodist Church has sort of moved our schedule forward. And so what we really need to do is for 2019 to just move this line up vertically, so it's parallel. So essentially we, you're, you're never supposed to let people see you sweat, or you know, we're sort of sweating here. Like we don't know what to do for the rest of this year. And so this is the point where we're asking you to um, see if you can step up and make a, a kind of one-time contribution um, above and beyond your baseline giving to help us get to get back on track. So in the past, the leadership team under Nate's leadership was very careful to um, notate, you know, what's discretionary, what's absolutely mandatory. And so what we've been doing is looking at those discretionary expenses and seeing what we can trim. And so we've, we've focused on being as responsible as absolutely possible and still meet our mandatory expenses of the facility use and our staff salaries. So before we take before we take questions, just saying this just reminding this is the three steps we think make sense. We kind of gave you the reasoning for all of those, and um, and now yeah, we would love to take any questions you have. So yes, uh, I think I saw other hands first, but I don't know the other way. But that's okay. Go ahead, Nicole. I don't need to go first. <laughs> I can wait. So just curious, what would happen if we exceeded? 164. Like, what happens once we get above our baseline? Just good work. Work. Good work. Good work. Guess what? You know what that means? We get to just pour it into our community. Like, We're that is work. what that means. That is the good news of anything above and beyond. Um, it's more mission, more outreach, more giving back to everybody. There is no building another building. There is no, at this stage, we got, like, we don't need an extra staff person. We're like, we We've created this structure as a lean in a lean way for the purpose of when we get to 170, we continue to grow. And yes, when we need, when we absolutely need the next staff person, it may happen at some point. But like, no, there's no, we're not, we're not, we're not doing the next building project. This is a campaign to be sustainable and then to give it away, give it to everybody in our community. That's the point. That's the point. Yep. Yes. Take into account Good question. I'm glad you asked this. Is she a plant? So um, in the United Methodist Church, for those of you who don't know, a lot of churches function this way. We, uh, The way that a church plant like this was able to plant back in 2016, we were given a grant. Where does a grant like that come from? It's We have a, a system in the United Methodist Church of, um, like it's like a tax. I mean, that's the best way to call apportionments, where each individual church um, gives a particular percentage to the larger church and then they disperse it in ways of like grants to new church starts and other things as well. It goes to help pay for boards and agencies. We have second to second to the Red Cross, UMCOR is our relief organization of the United Methodist Church. It's the second largest relief organization 
worldwide for when disaster strikes, Uncore. And so it goes to stuff like that, right? Um, so apportionments, you do not have to pay when you're a church plant um, until you, until way down the road. That's, that's, so as Aldersgate is concerned, we have not had to pay any. Um, Aldersgate is already having troubles paying theirs anyways, but we don't, we don't have to pay any. When we go sustainable, when we go on our own, there would start being an expectation and it would grow over the course of many years. So whatever the algorithm is that calculates what a church would pay at that stage when they're independent, um, it, would, it would start at a small percentage of that, whatever that number is, and, and rise, because they realize you're brand new and you, don't, you can't do this overnight. You can't just take that on. Um, so to answer another question that's kind of related to that but wasn't asked, um, so no, it's not a part of the 170 because we wouldn't in 2021 have to pay any. So A. Um, B, uh, I don't really know in 2021 what the structure of apportionments even will look like with the United Methodist Church, what's happening in it. Many churches aren't paying their apportionments anymore, which is how we end up in the crisis we're in, right? Um, and then C, uh, if the question is, if I give to Kingstown right now, is any of that money going to support the United Methodist Church as a whole that has policies? No. Nothing you give here currently goes anywhere else but here. So if that's to answer your question, like if we have this gap of 14 to 19,000 and you gave into that gap, promise you 100%, none of that money is going anywhere but to pay our staff, to pay for our facility, to pay for mission and ministry here at Kingstown and the administration. It's here. It doesn't go to Aldersgate, it doesn't go to the UMC. So I can guarantee that. In the future, I don't know what's gonna happen with apportionments in general, but right now, it goes nowhere else. Yes? Our relationship with Niles and how we might have to strike that or if whatever. But I guess up to this point, I hadn't really realized that we were deeply financially tied. Mm. To, is there a, oh, like I, I knew we were, no. I'll make no mistake. So I'm happy to clarify that. So it's not, um, it's not that we're financially, we're not giving any money to them or anything like that. It's, um, it's more that they allow us to rent their property for two very important events every year and actually two more in addition to that. This year I think we're doing the egg hunt, like the 600, and I think we're, um, and we're definitely doing the Christmas, um, the, the big Christmas event we do. But those, they have, they've, they've been in partnership with us and allowing us to do co-host co things that are high impact in our community, which have been the number one ways into our church. Um, and we, there's a, there's a little bit of expectation of they don't charge us for the space and they're willing to work with us, but what they get in return is some advertisement. And what they get, like when we send a postcard, they get advertisement and they're inviting people onto their property. What they, I, we also every year give them a gift that's about $500 worth, so we give them fire pits or we give them uh, water fountains or changing tables. We ask them what can we give you as a gift to thank you for all that you, and uh, so, and then also certain events, there's an expectation of what we might put money into to make that event, the kind of event would draw people. And we've created that expectation too. So yeah, what, um, so that's, it's not money. It's not like we write them a check or anything like that. It's not, we're not tied in, but it would be without a certain amount of money, 
we can't pull that off well, and therefore it's not the caliber of event that they would want to host. You see what I'm saying? There's a certain, like, there's a minimum amount we would have to spend to even make those events worthwhile and to get people on property and all of the, and that's that's the that's the um, that's and, the relationship. And one, one other note is that Nalls will do something at Christmas, yeah. and if we can't do that, they'll find someone else. Exactly. And then at that point, that's their new default. Right. That if, if we can't just like skip a year and then come back and be like, hey, great to see you again. Yeah. Um, a new person, a new group will come in, then they'll have that relationship, and that'll be like the default going forward. And so that's 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 really our concern. When Michelle talks about the relationship, is that if we stop doing Easter and Christmas and you know all those different things, someone else will come in, and then we've just lost that opportunity. We also, which as a leadership team, have. Churches do like building campaigns and stuff. Y'all are using this, right? Building campaigns. We are at a church that's vowing to you. That's not who we are. We're not like we're not growing to build a building and all that. That's that who we are is on like youth on the move. We're a church on the move. That's who we are, and we do that well. Um, but over the next year and a half, this is going to be like a sustainability. It's going to be the kind of you're going to hear it a lot that's kind of pushed towards being our own church. And so we as a team have come up with um, a, a, a language around that, um, that and, and an image that will kind of guide us in that and some, some thoughtfulness related to thinking about this um, as Christians and, and in relationship to our faith. So you're gonna see that and I'll introduce that as, we're gonna call it the, the Where Your Heart Is campaign. Um, so where your heart is here, every time you are reminded of where your heart is here, um, where is also, where, where is that the evidence of that in the way that you support us? So, I mean, that's the, so you'll see more of that. Any other questions? 12, 31. Good job, everyone. Good job. Thank you. Thank you all.